Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Yeah! <laughs> Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride of Detroit.com. Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. We come to you live on Twitch. Pride of Detroit. Twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. You can't see us if you're listening on the podcast. This is not a visual medium on the podcast. Just let you know that this is a celebration. The Packers are beaten, which means many things are happening. I'm Christopher Fett, the adequate host at Christopher Fett on Twitter of the P- adequate host of the POD cast at a loss for words of what I've witnessed today and busting out the Hakamania t-shirt for uh, irony, my eternal co-host and the man who runs everything, the producer and fearless leader of pride Detroit has gone full on cosplay and is now macho man, Randy, Jeremy Reisman at Detroit online. That's right, brother. We got you another Lions victory today, and all the cream rose to the top. Kirby Joseph, James Mitchell, Jerry Jacobs, all up in your face, Aaron Rodgers. Say fuck the Packers. Fuck the Packers! And the man who cannot even look at either of us straight right now, the third man, Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. Uh, hello, Ryan. Can we just talk about stuff? Because I can't even, I, I can't even you put can't what even. just happened into words. You can't even. You I can't even it. with this game, man. Like this was, this was something this, we could be doing a very different podcast right now. I want you to understand that this game uh, nearly ripped my soul out. I, I have one thing to say at the top. I lost money on this game and I'm so glad. I don't even care. <laughs> I don't even care. I you just mean that, in the couch cushions, right? This game yeah, took about I sat down. I'm changeless. I never want to go through a fourth quarter like that again. I never I want to go. Th- I, I know you do, but I never want to go through a fourth quarter where it's like we've got a bit of hope, like where the just, oh, my God, the failed conversion on fourth down to turn into the slip and slide for the fumble to apparently the refs not knowing how to operate a clock and giving the Packers a free timeout to whatever that was near the end of the end zone, all without the star of the day, Kirby Joseph. I I was in a kind of way. I mean, that's, that's a Lions football game for you. I know, I know. Cardiac cats, baby. Here's the thing. We never really come out on top like that against Aaron Rodgers, right? That's, that's the main difference is 
after they convert that first fourth down on the final drive, you're just like, well, Lions had their shot and they didn't make it. And then what do you know? They don't they don't get an extra yard the rest of the way. They don't even get a single yard the rest of the way. Lions shut them down. Fourth and goal or fourth and ten. Nada. Aaron Rodgers goes home crying. I'll take that fourth quarter any day. We've got a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Go go on, Ryan. Go on. No, I I, I think I, I think the thing that we all want to talk about what we don't want to talk about is that this was like watching the Vikings game all over again. Yep. Yes. Yes. It was almost the exact same scenario. The lions had an opportunity where, you know, maybe if they wanted to think about like leading up to that point, like getting into like field goal range to try to kick a field goal, like all of a sudden the lions are in the same exact situation. And I think we're all pretty happy that they went for it, even though they didn't get it right. Like that was the right call. Like, I, I, I think I think that we're fine with it because Dan Campbell trusted his defense because this is the best defensive effort that they had. He was right to trust his defense today. Yes. Yeah. Like his defense had something today. And I don't know if it's just that the Packers are missing their mojo and that translates into the Lions having a really good defensive performance. But like, I don't care. End of the day, it's still Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the field. And this game, Jeremy, it. It probably shouldn't have been close if not for the Lions doing the one thing that we all said they needed to do all season long to force turnovers. Yeah. Defend the pass. Like that's that's the story of the game, right? Because the Lions went into this game with 18 passes defended, worst in the league. They went into the game 31st in interceptions, two on the season. They go out and add nine passes defended in a single game and two or three interceptions and Listen, I mean, that that shall has we, to be the storyline of this one, right? And it, Shall we talk about the man? The man? Sure. Kirby Joseph, baby. Have yourself a game. Just a ridiculous performance from him, man. Um, obviously, the first interception, maybe a, a bit of luck on his hand, but a, a sign of thing. And listen, like he had come so close in, in games before, he deserved to get one out of luck. But everything else was just skill. I mean... Honestly, I think his pass breakup might have been the best play of his game of the game. That deep shot that Aaron Rodgers makes 10 out of 10 times wasn't a bad threat throw. I, I know he'll probably want it back and say it was underthrown, but full extension Kirby Joseph knocked that one down. Yeah, then, even th- even though it was an underthrown ball to your point, Jeremy, like it's still a ball that the receiver could have adjusted and still made the catch like 100%. close to the ground. 100 percent. So like, yeah, but I. I got to say there was nothing more impressive than the way he jumped that route on that second interception, man. Like my goodness, like it the whole way, but it's just like play after play after play from a guy that we were really worried about, like at the beginning of the season, getting a a good fair of snaps. And I I think that this is one of those, maybe like coming out games for a guy like yeah, go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to say, and I think that his impact and was understood by fans no greater than when he did leave the game, when he had that bad collision with Jeff Okuda, where he had to leave. And Okuda came back, but o- uh, Joseph had to get checked out for a concussion. He didn't come back into the game. But as soon as he left, I saw a lot of fans deflating after that because they understood that impact he was bringing to the game, that that Dude. his 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 ability to make big plays that I haven't seen since Glover Quinn and Darius Slay made up that backfield. Jeremy, CJ Moore makes one of the biggest plays of the game. Absolutely. Like here's uh, that's the thing. Like the story of that of this game was written when the Lions needed to get defensive stops. Oh, of course, Kirby Joseph and Jeff Okuda, the best the best defensive backs run into each other and get hurt. Well, 
Aaron Rodgers is going to have it easy. But no, guys stepped up. All and that's, I mean, that's why. Like, I don't want to give too much credit to Kirby Joseph because this was a huge defensive effort from everyone in that secondary. Jerry Jacobs deserves a lot of credit. Even Jeff Okuda, I know he gave up a couple of big plays, knocked down a two point conversion. Deshaun Elliott. Deshaun Elliott played well, and I mean, we went into this week thinking one thing: Wow, the Packers' offense sucks. Well, this is going to be the get right game for the for the Lion, for the Packers' passing offense. Mm-hmm. Turned out to be the get right game for the the Lions' secondary. And who would have fuck? Who would have seen that coming? Great game for Derek Barnes too. Some some great performances across the defense. I didn't think the Lions got a lot of pass uh, pass protection penetration. Aaron Rodgers had a lot of time to throw in the pocket, but still, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson's logging an interception too. So, and and again, we have to to your point, Jeremy, doing half of your season total in passes defended in this game. It's incredible. Whatever it's they good. were doing, whatever they were doing, they had Aaron Rodgers in their sight and they understood that. And I don't think the Packers really had an answer because they tried. I was counting this here on their receiving targets. They had 40 targets. Uh, Ryan, you how, know how many people Aaron Rodgers tried to spread the ball out to? Today? Yes. Uh, eight? Twelve. Here's the whole list. Amari Rogers, David Bakhtiari, Sammy Watkins, A.J. Dillon, Romeo Dobbs, Mercedes Lewis, Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, Robert Tanya, Samori Torre, who I have not even heard of before, Josiah DeGuara, and Alan Lazard. David Bakhtiari. What a dumb play. <laughs> what an absolutely dumb play that the Packers didn't need to call and that Aaron Rodgers didn't need to treat like he was passing to David Bakhtiari like a baguette. <laughs> or no, excuse me, like a croissant. Like he like delicately like tossed yeah. it in the air. Horrible. I was throw. like, yeah. I was like, what are you worried that he has lineman hands? I mean, he does. Probably, which is you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But like, what a dumb play call. That's just what I mean. It, it feels, Jeremy, like I guess my point is like there feels like a little bit of dumb luck to like the first pass is off Derek Barnes face mask and flips up in the air on the goal line. Like they showed the stat. I think it was something like Aaron Rodgers had 163 passing, um, passing attempts in the red zone. Yeah. He never throws red zone interception. Never throws red zone. And two of them in one game in in one half. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. There is some luck and there is some, well, like, yeah, the Packers passing offense has sucked all year. It's a bad team. I I hate to say it. I still love beating them, but they are a bad team this year. But, you you still have to give a ton of credit to how the defensive backs played in this game. And absolutely, no. Listen, that's one the, of the best quarterbacks in the league ever. The the elephant in the room here is like, well, the Lions made some significant changes in the secondary this week, right? They 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 fired Aubrey Pleasant, and I'm not going to sit here and say Aubrey Pleasant was a problem. I don't think I don't think I come away from this game thinking that. I do come away thinking that maybe it lit a fire under the Lions secondary. I do come under the impression that maybe having Aaron Glenn having more of an influence in that room is probably a positive thing because if you don't like Aaron Glenn as a, as a defensive coordinator, that's fine, but he's got a pretty big resume in his saints days as being a defensive backs coach and having him in the room more often is helpful. No question about it. And then hands on if nothing else, right? Sure. And then of course, like I, I, I look and and what what does a guy like Amani Oruwari feel like on a day like this where he, the Lions had to shuffle through some corners. He never he never even sniffed the field. Lions opted to go with Mike Hughes on the outside, who was okay, wasn't bad, wasn't great, but then Jerry Jacobs comes in for a, a handful of snaps and just seems to make an impact every time he was out there. And jaws and, off at Aaron Rodgers to boot, and and 
shit talks Aaron Rodgers, which I mean, that shoots him to the top of my depth chart. Yes, yeah, so I saw some fans saying like you're you're in no position to shit talk Aaron Rodgers, but like, hey man, dub dub. I will know. say it. It Dan Campbell did afterwards say he gave the game ball to Aaron Glenn. Yep. And I know that's part of that's kind of PR to boost Aaron Glenn's image. He's been public enemy number one in Detroit while the defense has been bad. I think this takes a lot of pressure off him. And I can tell this game took a lot of pressure, Ryan, off of Dan Campbell himself. He seemed more tired than he usually is after a win. I don't know if we got the locker room sound. Uh, it will probably play it during a break or something. But he at the podium, though, seemed exhausted. Like, I think he understood the weight this took off of his shoulders because for the last few weeks, it feels like the hounds have been kind of closing in that this experiment might not work. And I'm not trying to say that everything's right and back on the tracks, but this is a results driven league. And when you post a win over a very hated divisional rival and snap a five game losing skid, it, there's there's a little bit of weight off your shoulders. Like, all right, maybe the, some of these changes that I'm making are working out in the short term right now. You got it's got to keep happening. But it, it 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 is a it is a burden off the shoulders, at least. Yeah, I think the way that Dan Campbell talked about Aubrey Pleasant's firing earlier in the week was he called it a production based league. And I I'm not going to jump to conclusions, but I do find it very, very interesting that the week that the Lions do make a change at that position, the defensive backs group has the best week that they've had by far and such a huge improvement that. I mean, I, I don't want to even dare say like it, like it is night and day like today was night and day. And I I want to try to rein myself back and say, OK, they were playing the Packers. The Packers are really struggling in their passing offense. As Chris mentioned, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is throwing to an entire cast of characters. So where do I find where do I find the truth? You know what I mean? Like, I think that's. Obviously, I think that's where a lot of Lions fans will go is they'll say like, OK, is this an outlier? Like, is is this an outlier performance in the same way that the first half against Washington was an outlier? Right. Um, and I'm not trying to be wet blanket. I'm really not. I'm I'm more excited that the Lions won. I'm definitely not a person who's about losses to try to get a draft pick at this point. Like that isn't what this rebuild needs. Like maybe there was an argument to be had last season, but. I don't think that there's an argument to be had this season that the Lions should be losing games or prioritizing losing games instead of winning football games. Cause like you said, Chris, like this is what the regime needs. Like this is, this is what will put you on the hot seat and winning football games is good for the Lions. No it question. is. I, I think, I think the good, dra good draft is also good for them, but I think there's a sweet medium and I think there's enough, there's enough depth in this draft that you should not be sweating your position at all, especially when it looks like the, the Rams took a loss today too. So like that, that draft yeah. pick is going to continue the, to be in play. The lions have a lot of draft capital right now. They if, do. if, if they quarterback really do. is, is the one thing they're, they're eyeing, they're going to have a shot at it. I've got I mean, several in this draft. Maybe. Even they if, got as really I predicted, in, in last week's podcast that this team is not going to be picking in the top five. Well, guess what? They're five now and they still get to p play the Packers one more time. So the one other change Dub. and funny enough, and along with the Aubrey Pleasant, kind of the coincidental change is that the Lions did deal TJ Hawkinson at the deadline and both touchdowns happened to be catch uh, catch. Jesus Christ, Chris caught by two different tight ends. Uh, Shane Zilstra, who along with his, is that his brother, Jeremy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically Brandon. getting activated up from the prep. 
practice squad and, and who, coming uh, in had, and, who had an impromptu kick return. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yes. yes. And it was good. He got it up to like the 40 yeah. yard line. That's no, when the great. Lions first drive started. Great yeah. day for the Zilstra brothers, but yeah. another rookie, like this is the game where you wanted to see what we talked about, Ryan, we, this year, year is about progress from your younger players. James Mitchell shows up. James Mitchell, now that, you know, he's not playing behind TJ Hawkins, I know it's going to be a while for James Mitchell if he does progress that way, but he's got a touchdown. He's being interviewed afterwards. He looked, he looked fine in the, in the red zone. I thought. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's like tight end position stock up question mark, just because it's, yeah. I mean, a, a couple of, I mean, if you want to chalk it up to Ben Johnson, but like, I, I think, as an overall position, I think like the lions were comfortable making that trade because they could afford themselves the opportunity to like not eat Hawkinson's cap uh, next season, but also get a chance to see a guy like James Mitchell get extended play and an extended rub. And like, I don't know, like <laughs> did, did the offense look that much worse today yes. without TJ Hawkinson? No, no, no. Yep. I, I don't, I don't think it was TJ Hawkinson. I, I think it's not I think, because of TJ Hawkinson, Jeremy. I think we had. Can you Jared say that Goff. definitively? I think I we can't. had. I I think we really had a Jared Goff problem today. I think Jared Goff why? was really bad. And, and, that and that why? is hold up. That's tag for segment two. We are okay. we have to go in depth on on Jared. I'm Goff. just saying we're we're raving about a tight end crew that caught three passes for nine yards. I know two. I'm not raving about it. I'm just saying that they had the two touchdowns today. Great. That they did not make that much of a difference today. I'm sorry. Okay. Like, J- congratulations to James Mitchell. He made a, he, that was a good. Actually, both of his catches were big. I'll, I'll I'll say that he got a touchdown and he he got a third down conversion on that last drive that bit you know deleted another two minutes off the clock. So so James Zilstra, real quick, congratulations the- on getting 14 and a half yards per separation on your touchdown pass. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That that's why. Uh, okay. Ben Johnson deserves a little bit of credit there, but I'm saying that if I tell you that T.J. Hawkinson has a game where he catches two touchdown passes for nine yards on three catches. You don't care. Like you're happy with TJ Hawkinson's play that game with, with how cynical people have gotten about TJ Hawkinson. I don't think that's true. Lions one lines. One. You're I'm the way like it. Their offense was garbage today. And I'm not saying TJ Hawkinson would have made all the difference, but he would have helped. Maybe. Well, we'll talk about that offense a little bit later. We'll go a little bit d- deeper into the defense on what m- really made it sing and click here because we've got a lot to break down and it's not just flowers and roses. The Lions are still two and six at the end of the day, but you buy Tonight yourself a little What? Tonight we celebrate. Tonight we celebrate because it's it was the Packers. It was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers looking beyond tilted. And uh, fingers crossed that all these injuries just don't play out at least towards a positive arc because uh, both sides were getting savaged out there with the amount of injuries. More the Packers than the Lions, but still the Lions took like Again, your star of the show has to go out and hopefully he, that concussion is not serious, but we'll see. For right now, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to celebrate with our audience a little bit more. This is Movember. We are doing a lot of fun things. Check out prideofdetroit.com for the donation links for Movember or join us on twitch.tv slash live during the POD cast, post game, first bite, mailbag, Madden Sims. Our, uh, our Friday interviews we're now doing in Movember. Me and Jeremy got to talk to Frank Ragnow, and he says he's caught a fish bigger than Jamal Williams. It was a fun interview, but all that stuff is in benefit of the Alzheimer's Association. And if you join us live and donate through Tiltify, 
you can get plenty of rewards like i don't know drawing on our faces or apparently we're very close to the old-timey baseball stream where i have to go eat at olive garden i've never eaten at olive garden in my life and it's all to to a very good cause and you can cause us a lot of pain because i know some of you just hate us we'll be right back on the pride detroit pod cast but first the Pride of Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Is the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. How do I know this? Because Kirby Joseph just loaded up on that on the Foul Capone turkey jerky before he just just started just catching everything coming his way, man. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Yes. Each Two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, each stick with eight grams. If it's good enough for the Lions in this victory here to beat the Packers, it's good enough for you. They're based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They use locally sourced all natural black Angus beef and pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. What are you what are you eating there, Jeremy? What is that? You're muted. That is the gar- Darth Garlic Biltong. Biltong. Because I didn't it's want like to a South African style dry jerky. Yeah. That's right. It's delicious. I want is to it eat garlicky? it garlicky? Yes. Mm. <laughs> you fight off vampires with that thing. Yes. Yes. Also, yes. So, anyway, guess what? We've also got a promo code for you. Because we give you stuff. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. We'll be right back. Pride of Detroit POD cast segment two here. We are doing the in-depth potpourri is what we're going to do here. We just have a bunch of notes, individual players and things that maybe we just got to critique a little bit. Not everything sunshine and rainbows after a win. And we started to get into it a little bit with the offense. And I think that's where we go right to start. I know Jeremy wants to get back into the defense, but let's take a break over and I don't think this was a fan. I, I know he's down a lot of weapons, and I know that this wasn't a great day for Amon Ross St. Brown. But <clears throat> I'm curious how you guys feel about Jared Goff in this game. Because I, I I'm I think when he had tempo, when he had rhythm, when he had the run game going and they were giving the ball to Jamal Williams, both those drives turned into touchdown drives, and those were effective. When you come off cold on a few drives and like, look, there's a few drives that were deep sixed by these holding calls that get you started at you know, one and 20. And that's always a, a cramp on your on your drives. But I, I just go back to the fourth and three and I hate to make it about that play. You know, God bless the Lions for for pulling out the win, because that could have been a massive talking point on Monday that Jared Goff ball in the hands, the game on the line and can't convert on a short yardage again. But I know, Jeremy, you're a little more mixed on on the message for Goff. So what what do you have for him? Well, <clears throat> I think it was an awful day for the offense. Like, I'm just going to put it straight Overall, up. Overall, yes. It was yeah. awful. Um, this was not a great Packers defense, um, not a great run defense, and the Lions couldn't run the ball, especially in short yardage situations again, which 
continues to bug the, the crap out of me. This team is just awful on short yardage downs, whether they're passing, whether they're throwing uh, or running, uh, passing and throwing, I think is the same thing. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, that's frustrating. If we're talking about Jared Goff though, like I don't have anything great to say about him today. He wasn't good. Um, he, he put several balls in danger. His pick to Jared, to, to Amon Ra just clearly didn't see the defender at all and probably should have thrown at least two more interceptions on this game. He threw a few and, directly at the ground too, which was just <clears throat> baffling. Listen, the, some of this was pressure induced. I don't think the offensive line had its best day either, but that's, I mean, what have we been saying for the past three weeks when we're, we're getting turnover happy Jared Goff is that he can't handle pressure, can't handle pressure. Yeah, that's football. He, You're not going to, we've always said that when situations are perfect for Jared Goff, he does fine, but in this late in the season, situations are not always going to be perfect. You have to play with pressure. You have to play with your fourth or third wide receiver out there. You have to be flexible and you have to be, you know, good to, and, and ultimately the, the question facing Jared Goff is the same that we've always had. Is he a quarterback for the future? And I'm sorry, that's going to kind of bring up the Neanderthal dragging, you know, clutch situations when it comes to a late fourth and three, which could have iced the game completely. I mean, just uh, to, to put plainly, like this defense got two or three turnover rundowns, three turnovers, and you turn that into 15 points. That's not good enough. And a lot of that falls on Jared Goff. Not all of it. You, I mean, yeah, all of what you said is true. This this team was sporting Amon Ra, Kali Freeman, and Tom Kennedy as their top wide receivers. That's that's worse than what the Packers are doing with dealing with. And everyone is not everyone. A lot of people are giving Aaron Rodgers a pass because of his crappy wide receivers. Well, the Lions situation was worse. And no TJ Hawkinson in this game either, obviously. So he's not getting a ton of help out there, but there were plays where he has plenty of time and he's choosing to throw dangerous inaccurate passes in those moments too. And so I thought this was, this was one of his worst games. If I'm being completely honest. I want to put um, something under the microscope that I I think that the media had talked to Ben Johnson about either last week or the week before, but it was running back usage and it was, Hey, when Jamal Williams is on the field, it seems like you guys run the football. And when Deandre Swift is on the field, it seems like you guys pass the football. It's a theoretic situation. Yeah. Just, just some numbers from, from this week. So like on early downs, um, the lions, uh, 23 snaps from Jamal Williams. Um, I mean, he's a guy who led the Lions uh, in carries with 24. Um, on early downs, Jamal was in, and the Lions were running the football. When DeAndre Swift is in, the Lions were passing the football. Like, it's just what they were doing. And, like, I, I don't like that they kept that same level of predictability when it came to their offense because it was something I noticed early on. Um, just because that quote stuck with me, because I think it is a, a little bit of like a – it's a signal to the defense. Like, okay, Swift is in like that guy's clearly not a hundred percent. Like we don't really have to worry about the run. And I mean, if truth be told, Swift had two carries, you know, like in yeah. terms of snaps, <clears throat> he, uh, you know, like he played, nine, right? he, he played five snaps in the first quarter. And then he played like a snap or two each quarter for the rest of the day. Yeah. Like he was hardly out on the field. He's clearly not a hundred percent. Like, I'm almost wondering what the pro like what's the benefit and what's the cost of having DeAndre Swift in the lineup if he's not at full strength and you're basically telegraphing what your offense ultimately is going to do. 
Yeah, I kind of yeah. mentioned it there a little bit. That's kind of like the situation we used to have with Theo Riddick, right? You know, well, Theo Riddick's on the field to catch a pass. Yes and no, because DeAndre Swift is also mostly out there for third downs, right? It's like a third and seven. You're not going to put Jamal out there because why would you put Jamal out there? You're putting DeAndre Swift. So you're, you're not really tipping your hand. The down and distance is tipping your hand. Right. But he, he, I mean, yeah, there were, there were, uh, nine snaps today. Uh, yeah. Jamal on, on third down, there were nine snaps on third down. Jamal had four. Justin Jackson had two. DeAndre Swift had three. Okay. So a third of his snaps came on third down. Right. Yeah. So I get it. I mean, like that's generally a passing situation for sure, but like they're not using him on early downs. So there's, but like he clearly, he, they don't want him running the football. Like they want him getting tackled in space. They want him getting leg tackled. They don't want him getting tackled up top. So I I don't know. I don't know what the, I I don't know if it's worth having DeAndre Swift out there at 70%. I think think what they're betting on is that, yeah, you guys know DeAndre Swift is going to be out there for a passing play, still try to stop him. And he had a really big catch in this game that got him down into the red zone. Was it the first drive that almost that should have led to a score, but didn't, or was it their actual scoring drive? I don't remember either way. He's still a weapon in the receiving game. Touchdown last week. Yeah, for sure. What else did we notice on the, like, I, I didn't think Amon Ross St. Brown was really on his game, but I kind of think that Packers kind of zeroed him in as the guy to just cover because we talked about take away your best weapon, right? What else do they have? Yeah, yeah. You're not going to beat him with Tom Kennedy and Kali Freeman. Yeah, there was a lot lost in the mix in this game for me. I think one of them that I wanted to keep an eye on was how often Jair Alexander was either traveling or or moving with Amon Ross St. Brown. If if that's an explanation as to why, I mean, four catches, fifty five yards. I think we're accustomed to more, but like, I'll be interested. Have in like, the pick covering uh, St. Brown as well. Yeah, yeah, but I'll I'll be interested to see tomorrow when uh, we get some PFF numbers about like how many snaps uh, Jair was covering Amonra. Um, so, are you worried about this offense moving forward? Has the script flipped that you know we've gone from this is insanely you know high scoring offense to you got a bit of a beat of life in them with the Dolphins game, but. This game was a, like, look, they scored in the second half, which is amazing. Sure. Like compared it to. It shouldn't be amazing, but yes. But I, I'm just saying compared to how the trend has been going. Yeah. They finally scored a touchdown in the second half. But are we now more concerned about the offense? I mean, I'm still concerned as hell about the defense. I don't think you're going to keep getting performances like that every week. You're not going to replicate a three turnover game like that. But. This I is mean, now this is now a trend on the offense a little bit. It is, but you also are continually taking pieces like weapons away, right? Like yes, yeah. Before this, it was Shark and Swift. Now it's Reynolds and Hawkinson. Like, what do you expect? You're taking weapon after weapon away, and so Josh Reynolds, I would imagine, is probably hopefully going to be back next week. We'll see. Um, DJ Shark, I believe has one more game left to go. And and I think he told media that he expects to be right off the IR once he's ready to come off IR. And then JMO is not, I mean, if he's going to play this year, what do we got? Nine I games mean, left. Yeah. And, and most importantly, you just need Swift at a hundred, like well, being out there. Happen. You know, I know, I, but I think like, that ship has sailed this season, but, but like you can't have him on this pitch clock where you're just basically only using primarily using him for, for receiving at this point, he's got, I, I don't yeah. think that's a problem. Like you guys do. I mean, three catches for 40 yards set up two 
scoring drives. Last week he scores a touchdown. It's not what it's not what we it's not an ideal situation. We'd love to have him running the ball again and running for fifty plus yard plays, but he's a weapon out of the backfield as a receiver. So yeah. why is that a problem? I, no, I, I think I think why it's a problem. I, I, I do think that there's something to like telegraphing what you're likely going to do. And I don't think the Packers defense is good enough to overcome something like that. You know what I mean? Like they're they're good, but like they're not they're not anything special. You know what I mean? Like playing a team that's going to be better than than the Packers on defense, I think will will be troublesome for them. But like to, to answer the question about the Lions and their offense and like, am I worried about it? I I think there's something to be said again for all the injuries, right? Like no shark, no Reynolds. Yeah. TJ Hawkinson's moved on. DeAndre Swift is barely playing. So, I mean, your weapons today were Jamal Williams and Amon Rice St. Brown. Like, you know, Khalif Raymond was pretty much kept in check because, I mean, a, a really underrated part of this game, too, maybe overlooked a little bit. The Packers were absolutely decimated by injuries. Like, Rashawn Gary gets carted off. Aaron Jones gets injured. Romeo like, Dobbs, I think, left this game at some point. On the, like, very, on the first play he made of the game he gets tackled and has like a foot injury. Like the Packers, they just couldn't, they couldn't weather the storm, man. And like, they were so depleted by the end of the game, the lions had an opportunity to close the game and they did. And they deserve all the credit in the world for doing that. But like, I'm worried about, I'm worried about their offense in the sense that like, if they don't get healthier, then it's going to be a problem. Like, I think that they can live without TJ Hawkinson for this reason, Jeremy. And I want you to just think of it from from like this perspective of like, if they don't have TJ Hawkinson, clearly what they want to do is they want, they want to run the football more. Right. But like, if they don't have a healthy DeAndre Swift, I don't think Jamal Williams is a guy that you can count on clearly. Like today, I mean, in first bite, in, in your on-paper preview, the Packers run defense any good? Nope. 31st. Or- 24 carries for Jamal Williams, 81 yards. It's not good. I mean, that's less than three and a half yards a carry. That's not going to be good enough. So unless he has a change of pace guy and I'm not counting on Justin Jackson to be that I'm not counting on Craig Reynolds and he got hurt in this game. If there is no Deandre Swift and the Lions want to run the ball. Good luck doing it because you're probably waiting until next year after they draft a running back in the second round. I, I mean, I think you're. I think you're still being a little hard on Jamal Williams because, into going into this game, he's averaging four, four, four five a carry. He is, but to but to like, has he gotten the volume that he's gotten today? Twenty four carries no, might be he should. his season they high. I don't think the Lions want to give anyone that kind of volume. They That's kind of, kind of a problem because if you don't if you don't set up the if you don't give enough volume to your run game, you can't set up the play action. So it's then, no so surprise. That, yeah. 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 No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and again, it's no surprise on the drives where they were successful. They gave volume to the run game through Jamal Williams and they were able to set up the play action. I'm, well, I'm not saying don't run the ball 24 times. I'm saying don't run the ball with one player 24 times. Right. But I'm right like, who's, who's who's that other guy? Who's number two? Yeah. Who's who's the other guy? It's got to be. I don't, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> All right, let's move over to the defense. Godwin, I think Godwin's some... available. Go get Godwin. Okay. Jesus. All right. Here we I, well, go. Hey, listen, if Craig Reynolds is actually like legit hurt. Yeah, I mean, go why not? Godwin. Go get Godwin a call. So I, in spite of the day for the defense, Jeremy, you thought you, you had some reservations for the defense. I did not yes. think the defense had a very good day in, in pass rush. I yes. thought 
there was a lot. And I, I, I don't know if we talked about this off air too. Like there was also really, it was a really tough gate day to spy Aaron Rodgers when he just wanted to run. Like the seat, once again, the seas would open up and Aaron Rodgers would just, just go off for like, what, what do you have in this game on rushing yards? He had something, he had 40, 40, he had 40 yards rushing ten, uh, on four carries and, and with, a long, in, with a long of 18. He had an 18 yeah, yard run in there. Most infuriating. He converted, I think two third and 10 pluses with his feet. Yeah. Yes. Um, but and, he had and, all the time in the world that that was absolutely the DBs doing, doing. On, on a lot of this stuff. It was on the it was on Kirby Joseph to make those interceptions happen. That wasn't happening because of pressure from the pass production. He had all day in the pocket. Yes. And I want to preface everything I'm about to say with Aaron Rodgers is maybe the best quarterback in the NFL at managing a pocket. He's extraordinary at it. And I think Aiden Hutchinson was actually marveling at it after the game. Best he's ever seen someone do it. And rightfully so. The guy, the guy's phenomenal. He has a, a sixth sense out there. And and he's mobile and he, he makes throws off kilter. It's it's incredible to see. But he didn't even have to use it that much in this game. I swear, like the Lions try to send pressure sometimes. They try to send four. And listen, this was a game I was I was kind of excited to see how the pass rush was going to do. Now, credit to the, the Packers offensive tackles. They're very good. Bakhtiari is very talented with all, even with all the injuries he's going through. But the Lions had Charles Harris back in this game. They had Josh Pascal. They had Aiden Hutchinson. First game, they've had all three of those guys available. I didn't see Charles Harris out there at all. Like, I think, I think towards the end of the game, he started playing a little bit more, but in general was mostly absent in this game. Didn't see much out of Josh Pascal. I know Aiden Hutchinson is going to finish this game with, with a high amount of pressures, but it feels like a lot of those are, again, those are coming not in the first two, three seconds of a pass rush. Those are coming in seconds, four and five and six when Rogers is doing his kind of whoop de doo stuff in the backfield. Like, it's taking way too long to get there. And against a better receiving core, like, I don't know, last week, they're they're going to get torched again in the secondary because you, you just can't hold up in coverage that long. So I thought the patch rush was awful in this game. And I don't know if the PFF grades are going to go to back that up, but I was, I was not very happy. I was very disappointed with that unit. I, I don't think that they, I don't think they generated a single pressure rushing four in the entire game. Um, or not one that that I'm able to recall, but like two things. One, I thought Josh Pascal had a good game though in 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 run defense. Mm-hmm. Um, he made a couple of big plays. Just sure. you know, run defense um, in general is great. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I thought you know um, a lot of his discipline on 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 run plays was was good. But like the other thing about the Lions' defensive line, just that I thought was interesting, was like Kaminsky was playing straight up nose tackle um on like uh quite a few plays that I saw them lining up. So um just some interesting things I, I noted from you know watching the defensive line, but Derek Barnes, have a game, buddy. I mean that's that's a really promising thing, right? Like a lot of people have written that guy off pretty much permanently, right? Like a year a year and a half into the guy's career, they're like, well I guess guess we tried there. It's not gonna work out. Right. A, a really nice step in the right direction there. I'm not going to declare him suddenly a starter or anything like that, but obviously Malcolm gets hurt in this game. Um, something with his arm. He does. Malcolm does come back into the game, but it seems like after, you know, a few snaps or whatever, they're like, you know what? Derek Barnes has got this and kudos to the guy for stepping up, man. Yeah. The, the replay, it was the only negative thing that Kirby Joseph, I thought did that was out, you know, outlandishly negative, but like, he's the one who, his helmet hit Malcolm Rodriguez and kind of like hyperextended his elbow. So it was like mm-hmm. a little bit of friendly fire. Um, but yeah, Derek Barton stepping in 
with Malcolm Rodriguez not being able to play and like holding his own. Mulled the team in tackles. 12. Yeah. Yeah. With a TFL and a pass defended. And that, that goal line stop was incredible. Right? Turned out to be huge too. Yeah, yeah. that was a great play. So I don't I, this is strange. Probably the reason why we're kind of at a loss for words is because we're saying nice things about the defense. Well, yeah, and but and, and here's the thing in general, and a lot of people have already pointed this out, but you look at the the real the the standouts from this game, they're all young players. That's that's all that we've been asking for. Progress for the young guys, yeah. Let's just have the young guys make plays. So Aiden Hutchinson gets you an interception, rookie. Kirby Joseph gets you two interceptions, rookie. James Mitchell gets you a touchdown and and a key third down conversion, rookie. And I I, I turned to Eric today, and you look at the Lions' first six-round pick, your first six draft picks from this year, we could very much be in a situation where all six are starting by the end of the year. And that's not including Chase Lucas, who could also potentially start in the nickel at some point in this year. This is a fascinating conversation to have just because, you know, we talk about the turnaround and narrative for someone like Dan Campbell. Consider where we were a few weeks ago uh, with Brad Holmes and the status of many of his draft picks, because I mean, look, it's still an issue with, with guys who can't see the field for some of those guys he's drafted, but the guys who are seeing the fields are showing you progress and growth. I, I still maintain that Brad Holmes has overall really, if we're if we're only talking draft, I think Brad Holmes has done a, a great job, a great job, almost great? phenomenal. Really? Okay. Yes, because I mean, I, I feel like the, no, but that's what I'm saying. The only like a, strike yeah. you have is is a guy that you drafted and you thought he was going to be better with an injury and he wasn't. That's it. Like, I don't really have another X. Like, what what a can Fatu? you point? Melfamu. Okay, Fatu. What third rounder? Mm-hmm. You're not going to hit it every third round. Okay, so two. Two, but you more than make up with that if you if you hit it on a fourth rounder who's a potential Pro Bowl wide receiver and you get a starting linebacker in round six. Like, mm-hmm. I think I think that evens out pretty good. I would say so. I was just I was just commenting it again because like this feels like again the reversal game, and it does feel kind of, you know the bright new shiny thing because it's a win and it's right in front of our face, but you look deeper than that. And there's look, we're, we're saying the the win isn't perfect. There's definitely plenty to critique, but the line got outplayed. Like, no, I'm sorry, I know. they did, they did. No, but, the, but, yeah. but, the, but the good part shine through too. Again, it's, it's a yeah. progress on the rookie. It's exactly what we've been saying about this year. Dude. It's, it's, it's the fact that they ended the game on defense. Right, right. That's that's a great point. What? Because, yeah. <laughs> How many times have the Lions been in a position where just one more stop and we win this ball game over the past two years? And have they ever done it? Have they ever won a game on a defensive stop? I'm not sure they have. This might be the first time. It's the first time in a while. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break here. We come back on the other side. We're going to look ahead to what comes next on the schedule. Well, maybe talk. I, I probably. I want to talk it. a little coaching in this game too. Can I do that? Yeah, Maybe sure, absolutely. Time to talk sure, coaching. Sure. I, I, my body is breaking down, down right now. I've been holding back hiccups and coughing. So, by all means, if Jer- if Jeremy wants to take over my rants and do a rant of his own, please do because I am really struggling to hold back these hiccups. We'll be right back in the Pride of Detroit POD cast.
wrapping up the pride of Detroit POD cast once again, Movember, please donate. And uh, if you do donate, stop giving your mutes to Ryan because apparently, apparently the people who have donated have given three mutes to Ryan. And at some point during this podcast, he might unveil one because uh, we're, we're, we're doing this in the middle of a, a Malik Willis game too. I, anyway. I'm holding all of those until I can just mute you guys for like an entire segment. I'm going to let them build up like Joshua Mercer decided to build all of his up and put Malik Willis sucks across my face. <laughs> Not a visual medium, but yes, he is. He has written quite a bit on there to, uh, to of Malik Willis sucks. Anyway, where do we want to start? We want, I want to talk about some coaching decisions and I want to talk about, we, we as a family have not gotten to talk much on the TJ Hawkinson uh, trade. I know Jeremy and Eric, you guys had talked about it in lieu of the mailbag podcast this week. So maybe we should start on TJ Hawkinson because as I mentioned at the start, it is look, Hawkinson had a good day in, in Minnesota. He had nine catches for 70 yards for the Detroit lions. They have two touchdowns off the, off the hands of two of their other uh, tight ends and in, in James Mitchell and Shane Zilstra and Mitchell also gets the key third down decision, but obviously not productive as productive as, as that at that position. So do you think we, we talked about it with the offense and that it's on one hand, we, we see that Jared Goff is struggling, but on the other hand, there has been more and more weapons taken away. So uh, I guess, you know, how, where do you see this whole unit kind of going from here, Jeremy, how big is the loss of Hawkinson as we were watching the offense struggle more and more, like where, where do you stand on all of it? Well, I mean, it's definitely not fair to judge the winners and losers of this trade based on one game, right? Especially no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. TJ didn't get a, a ton of time to acclimate to, to Minnesota and, you know, James Mitchell is still developing. But I, I think I think you have to point out that this regime did not draft TJ Hawkinson and they did draft James Mitchell. And I'm not saying they expect James Mitchell to necessarily grow into TE1, but I don't think they're ruling that out. Um, I think... I think they thought they got a very good discount on James Mitchell because of the ACL tear. And I think they, they have high hopes for him and listen, so far so good. Um, you know, Jared Goff said after the game today, he's not the fastest guy, but he runs good routes and he has good hands. And so that's, that's a good start. We'll see how he kind of develops as a, as a blocker, because I think that's the one thing that you, you could argue about TJ Hawkins, right? This team wants to run the ball a lot. TJ Hawkinson wasn't really ever good as a run blocker or great as a, as a pass blocker too. So he didn't necessarily fit what they're trying to do here. I would make the argument that having a pass catching tight end is more important than having a, a run blocking one. Um, <clears throat> but again, not the guy that they picked. So I, I, I do think they think James Mitchell is, is a big part of this team's future. I'm not sure what, if they think the same of Brock, Wright, Who's been kind of up and down um, had some of the same struggles that, that Hawkinson has in the blocking game with not nearly as much upside as a receiver. So I, I think there's still a, a pretty big need at the position, but if you weren't going to re-sign this guy, if you weren't going to re-sign Hawkinson to a, a multi-year deal and and willing to spend twelve or thirteen million dollars on him per year, well, this was probably a pretty good time to trade him because not only do you get you know a a boost to two of your your higher draft picks, but you you get nine million in and change in, in cap space next year, which is really needed more than I think a lot of people thought. I think the cap space was pretty, pretty important part of this deal. So, you know, having four or five days or six or whatever it's been to think on it, I understand it more. Um, I still, I think the frustrating part for me the entire time was just, I hate being in a position where this team has to be sellers. I hate 
having to just continually see some of our better players go. And I understand it. And I I even think it was probably a, a, a good deal. But that doesn't mean I necessarily have to like it either, if that makes sense. No, we've been dealing it with it for three or four coaching regimes now, right? Yeah. Yeah. You've been doing it, dealing with it for a very long time. Even when the t- team was successful, you get one successful year and then guys would go elsewhere. Like, or guys would be chased out of town by an idiot or, you know, t- take your pick. Like it, it, it is a lot of guys leaving Detroit and having success elsewhere. It just kind of, it sucks at the end of the day. Cause you'd like it to be a destination rather than a, than a, uh, right. Than a truck stop. I agree. And I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with the way that you're thinking, Jeremy. I think it's a good deal from a couple of standpoints. One, I think if you're looking forward and that's kind of what we do in this third segment, but like, if you're looking forward, right, like the big thing is that you're not paying that money to TJ Hawkinson next season. And I think that's so important because that's dual fold. And what I mean by that is I think that the plan was going into year three. I think the plan all along has kind of been like, that's going to be the year that we heavily invest in just getting better. Like I, I don't, I don't like the train of thought that says, well, you could have just kept Hawkinson for the rest of the year. And if you wanted to let him go, then you could have gotten a compensatory. Like, no, I'm not playing the compensatory game because I don't know. Like the lions are on the precipice of spending in free agency. Like that's coming sooner rather than later. This regime needs to win football games and, a way, a, a proven way that you can, for the most part, that you can win football games in the short term is an influx of talent by spending a lot of money. And I, I don't foresee the Lions getting a compensatory pick when when they're probably going to be spending big in free agency. And, and the one last thing I want to say about Hawkinson is that he was a little bit redundant in this offense because of what you talked about, Jeremy. Like, is it really possible to have a, a game where both Amon Ross St. Brown and TJ Hawkinson both go off? I don't think it's an, I, I don't think it was possible in this offense because Hawkinson was most useful in the slot and the proof is in the pudding. Like Hawkinson's best game was when they played Seattle. He had eight catches, 179 yards, two touchdowns. He had the big catch and run. I know that, but like he had a 51.1% snap percentage in, um, in, in line. But like in the slot, that was one of his bigger weeks. I mean, he was in the slot for 16 snaps. I I just don't think that they that they were conducive to one another. And I think that they kind of cannibalize one another. And I think that ultimately you're going to choose the fourth round pick who's pretty darn good and cheap and cheap compared to paying, you know, over nine million dollars for TJ Hawkinson next year. I want to I want to throw a question to you guys because the the fellows over on the athletic podcast brought up an interesting point that I don't think I necessarily agree with, but I'm curious as to your thoughts. Do you think the TJ Hawkinson move is a pretty clear sign that this team no longer prioritizes Jared Goff? And their reasoning behind it is I mean it it, it it's kind of obvious. One, Jared Goff loved TJ Hawkinson. If you if you watched his press conference this week, he he said the words I hate it. He said, I mean, Jared Goff is a guy who doesn't really like to say things to the media. And he said the words, I hate it. And that's not a surprise, right? We we saw the the bond that they built in, in year one, and it wasn't necessarily as strong in terms of receiving in year two. But obviously, there, there was an emotional uh, attachment there as well. And then also, like, w- what have we been saying about Jared Goff? He needs everything around him to be perfect to succeed. And now they're taking things away from him. So and is what that happened a, today? And, and what happened today? He sucked. 
right? Yeah. And and like you're you're and as we've said before, your quarterback is never gonna have everything perfect. And I feel like almost taking I, I almost buy it in that taking things away feels like it's more of a test that you're slowly taking each piece away, knocking out, you know, n- neurons or whatever in this firing brain to see if it still functions. If you just keep taking away piece after piece, like not not quite a Jenga, but seeing just how structurally intact it is. But I guess for me, I, I, I'm i a bit of an outlier that I, as much as I know the regime, we've had these conversations, Jeremy. I know the regime talks him up a lot, but I never bought that Jared Goff is this long-term option, especially after what we watched. It always felt like the blueprint was to eat out what his contract is, especially in the dead cap. And next year it is a still a massive hit, but then 2024, it's, you know, you can cut him and just eat 5 million or whatever. I mean, and to, I've, to that, I've always that, assumed this coming year is the year they target the quarterback. To to that point, too, though, Chris, I mean, that lines up with exactly what they did in the draft last year. They drafted a guy who they knew probably wasn't going to play at least the first half of the season. And they're not concerned about it because I don't know. I don't know how close they thought they were to contending or to at least like making some noise as far as putting some wins in the win column. But like. I think they may have, I think you maybe talked about something close to this, Jeremy, before, but like the idea of like the Lions maybe thought they were a little bit closer than they actually were. And maybe they thought, hey, like if this and this and this happens, well, all of a sudden, yeah, we might have a pretty good season. But like that didn't end up happening. And like, I think that they're totally fine with that. And I think that that was kind of signaled all the way back in the draft last last year when they when they took a guy who wasn't going to help Jared Goff's scenario be perfect right from the start. And I think ultimately when it comes down to it for the NFL, it's different from other sports in that you can't just tell people, Hey, hashtag trust the process. If, if there is, and I'm not saying no, that's that, why, that's why it's always been a retool instead of a rebuild. Chris. Right. It's always on the download. It's always on the slide. It's always some, some interesting ways of knocking out certain weapons like we've seen. And it's always, I'm not saying the lions are doing this, but I'm saying that you can't, we can't bank completely on the intentions that are said by front offices. If it is true that they're targeting specific years for their rebuild, because Partially, the NFL never sees itself as a league where there is such a thing as a Sam Hinkie trust the process type of rebuild, tank and rebuild. So I don't know what I I guess my ultimate point is like, I don't know what the Lions are, but I just I remember when the trade happened. I just my initial knee jerk reaction was, all right, this means they're going to see what golf is in 2021, 20, I mean, 2021. And then in one of those two years, bank a quarterback. And when they restructure the deal, I'm like, all right, that's kind of a sign. It's probably going to be coming for the 2023 draft. I could still be wrong. I'm usually wrong, but it's, it, it makes, I don't know how else to justify some of the moves it's made other than to your point, Ryan, like that they've, I mean, maybe don't have the same faith in Jared Goff. They're also saying, speaking of, because also like, this is also a league where you just can't say anything negative about a quarterback ever. That's fair. Um, <clears throat> Want to get into some of the coaching decisions? Yeah, yeah. Let, let's scale back to today's game and talk about some of the coaching decisions because we we were very close to having an entirely different conversation, I think, in this game. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is <laughs> half this podcast is not the same. Right. Um, because if lines lose this game, we are 100% talking about 
Dan Campbell's decision to go for it on fourth and three is as Ryan alluded to, it played out a lot like the the Vikings game where lines were kind of on the edge of field goal range. They they could have probably tried what like a 58 yard field goal. They could have punted. They could have gone for it. Dan Campbell re- said he regretted going for a field goal last time. He wished they would have gone for it. They go for it on this time. Don't convert and give Green Bay really good field position to which they almost score the game-winning score, much like the Vikings did. Ryan, I think you've already said you don't have a problem with this one, huh? I mean, I like it a lot better than trying a field goal because <laughs> yes. I don't I don't I, think they – I I don't know. Like, maybe it's baby steps, you know? The only <laughs> – uh, sorry, real quick. The only problem I really have with it is you've given Jack Fox all this money – and just not really utilizing his leg to coffin corner, but like he pinned someone like, at the one today. Yeah, he did. He did. I, but I, I think you had the numbers that you retweeted, uh, the analytic numbers you retweeted on it, Jeremy. And yeah, the like, ben Baldwin ball, but yeah, it seemed fine. And like, if that's the case, then I, yeah, I think the worst thing you could have done is a field goal there. If you'd punt, sure. it'd be fine. If, if going for yes. fourth, I'm fine with. Yeah. I, at some point though, you have to come up with your own analytics in terms of what it means. You have to specify the analytics to your team, right? You have to have your own model to work with, right? Based on your own outcomes. And you my have to apply own a outcomes, profile, yeah. My own outcomes watching this Detroit Lions offense is they suck at third and fourth and short. That is not their their league the league average of conversion on third and fourth and short is not the same as the Lions average. It's much worse. The Lions is much worse. Yeah, you have to so, you have to you have to skew by the profile of the given team. Yes, right? and so listen, I'm Mister Aggressive, right? I'm Mister Follow the analytical model. I wanted him to punt. I did. I absolutely wanted him to punt there, and I hate punting, and I I want going for, it, and I want to go by Ben Baldwin's model ninety nine percent of the time, but this team can't convert on third and fourth and short. They're horrible at it. And I understand a first down. Actually, a first down doesn't even win you the game, right? Like, they still had three timeouts, I think, at that point, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm mistaken. I I don't think I'm mistaken. Um, I, I want to say that they used one of them, but I could be thinking about the first half. No, they, they had not used any of their timeouts. I'm looking right now. They had not okay. used it. So if you convert, that game's not over yet. So I... Well, especially, especially because it's before the two minute warning. Right. The the I mean, a conversion does get you closer to field goal range and a field goal essentially wins you the football game. I will give you all of that. But. I I don't know. That one seemed a little questionable to me, to be fair, though. I thought Dan Campbell the rest of the way was was good. Right. I think he made a really good challenge that that was a huge overturn in this game. And then he goes for it on fourth down on the first opening drive. And for some reason, people still have a problem with that. I. And I know I just said the lines are horrible on third and fourth and, and inches or short, but fourth and ones on the opponent's side of the field are almost like it should be an automatic go for it at this point. So I had no problems with first one. I thought the challenge was really good. I, I, I think of anything that we can yell at in terms of coaching, the, at least the, the, the coaching decision that bothered me the most was the third and one prior to going for it on fourth and three. Was the Jamal Williams counter yeah, the handoff mess. they all knew was coming and just they they penetrated immediately lost two yards right. yeah and it was this slow again like these these slow developing plays when it's just like all right believe in your offensive line believe if you want to be the smash mouth football team that can run the ball all the time 
stop with like the the dressing up of your plays and just run it down their damn throats. Or I know Jared Goff isn't a good quarterback sneaker, but you've got Frank Rag now. Tell me you can't get a yard on two quarterback sneaks on third and one, two tries. I, do they trust Jared Goff to sneak the football? I don't think they do. They clearly don't, right? No, like I I don't know if that's part of his like skill set, but like. One of the things I do want to say that I really liked about the coaching staff and and in terms of uh, Dan Cable's like clock management and also maybe Ben Johnson's play calling too, but like before the end of the half, like the score is zero zero, they get the ball with two minutes and thirty five seconds, they bleed that clock. Yep. Yeah, they were even saying on the Greg Olson even saying on the broadcast goal is don't give the ball back to, to Aaron Rodgers. Even though it's an, it's an eviscerated Aaron Rodgers, don't give the ball back to him because right. you never know yeah. what's going to happen. Right. And and the Lions, like no matter what happened on that drive, they were going to get points and they were going to put the Packers in a position where they weren't going to get points. And at that point, the game's 0-0. So like any kind of score is a good score at that point. So I thought that was, um, I thought that was, I mean, well, one of the most important drives. Sure. Yeah. Do you guys have any any takes on the on either of the fourth down conversions? And I, I, we we kind of already got Ryan's on the fourth and three, but I've got a take. Fuck the Packers. FTP. I'm worried about the Bears. Let's I not really worry about the Bears. We get let's give 24 hours before we even start thinking about worrying about the Bears. 24 cool, hour cool. rule. Cool, cool, cool. All right. I, you that. know, you know what I'm more worried about? I'm not worried about the Bears. I'm more worried about the I told you so Lions fans who are going to just bludgeon us over the head for a week about Justin fucking fields. Well, you're annoying. You're annoying. You're all annoying. It, it's going to be that. It's also going to be if the Lions happen to lose against the Bears next week. It's be, oh, what about that meaningless win in Green Bay that costs you draft position? Shut up. Yeah. Shut up. Just, just shove it. I think we've spent everything. I think, I think, I think that's about where we're going to end it. There. Let's close it up. Yeah, we have a wheel of pain to spin. Uh, donate to the charities. Find find the pridedetroit.com article that has the that has the links. If you do donate, let us know. Get your get your rewards set up. Stop giving your mutes to to Ryan. He's going to use it on one of these podcasts. Power to the people. Mm-hmm. Anyway. We'll see you star side. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 
and they use locally sourced all-natural black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.